Hi everyone, it's Johanna from Access Promotions wearing my promo kitchen hat today and I'm here with the amazing Mark Graham. And our guest today is Josh Applebaum with Hit Promotions. He is the Vice President of Apparel and we're thrilled to speak with him today. He's also the proud daddy to a newborn, first time son, so really excited for him on that front. Congrats. And we're going to speak with him a little bit about his background and some of his thoughts on the industry and apparel. Josh, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the congratulations on the kid. If anybody has coffee, please send it my way. <laughs> I'm tired already, but it's uh, exciting times here in the house. Awesome. Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to hit and your, I know you have a little bit more background in the industry as well. Yeah. So I actually got into the industry at a Blackhawks game <laughs> 10 years ago. I was with a buddy of mine that had invited me out to the game and we ran into a friend of his standing in line to buy a beer who happened to work for Alpha at the time, Alpha Shirt Company in the Chicago market. And we kind of hit it off. We went out to a bar after the game and he dropped me off at my house and was like, I'm going to get you a job. You know, Give me your email address. I'm going to get you a job. And like all weird random interactions, I thought absolutely nothing of it. Eight o'clock the next morning, I got a phone call from the then regional vice president in the Midwest at Alpha wanting to interview me. It was Still to this day, the craziest job offer I've <laughs> ever had. It was just wild. So yeah, so I spent about six years at Alpha. I worked in the Wisconsin market and then moved down to Arizona and worked in the desert Southwest market and participated in some corporate training and stuff like that for onboarding reps. Left Alpha really just to change and went and worked at a contract decorator for a year with kind of the thought process that you know, if this was going to be a career of mine, I needed to understand all corners of the promo apparel world. So did that for a year. It was a blast and quite the learning experience. I would highly recommend it to anybody if you've not spent a year or at least some time in a decoration facility, you know, definitely check it out. I moved on to Cutter and Buck. I did that for a couple of years. I managed the national account space there and really had a blast. Again, like total opposites from alpha, which is, you know, deep in the commoditization market to a contract decorator to a retail brand. And then I landed at hit. CJ likes to tell the story differently, but mm -hmm. my version is the true one. <laughs> we ran into each other at the counselor wards in Chicago and we talked for 15 seconds. I sent him a message on LinkedIn like a week later saying, Hey, good catching up. If you ever get serious about apparel, let me know. I think at the time, Hit had been into it maybe like a year. And you know, he messaged me back and he told people at our national sales meeting, my first national sales meeting, that I sent him like 30 messages. <laughs> Bold face lie. One message. So he likes to give me a hard time about that. But he and I got together and here we are making magic happen in the apparel world. How long has that been? When was that? That was... Gosh, like late August of 18. And I started the middle of September of 18. So we're sort of at a year and a half. Awesome. So some big companies you've been with. Yeah, I've kind of been all over the place, but each stop's been a really interesting experience. And 
I feel like it's created a little bit more of a well-rounded impression of this side of the industry. Hey, Josh, I'm curious about your journey at HIT specifically as a hard goods company, or at least a company that started off exclusively in hard goods. And talk to me about maybe some of the challenges that you might have faced over the last year and a half as you have built out the apparel side for a company that some may not have associated naturally with apparel at first blush. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it's a trend that the supplier side of the industry is moving towards that really the distributor side has been kind of on board with for years. I mean, so many distributors have done print and promo and apparel for years and years and years. And I think suppliers are just now sort of catching on to that in a positive way. And I think at HIT, the reality is that we very much could have been the company that sort of added it as a Me Too type compliment to the assortment, you know, hey, check it out. You can buy, you know, six different t-shirt styles or whatever from us and we'll decorate them and kit them with your pens or hand sanitizers or whatever. So I think from that standpoint, it's definitely been an interesting challenge, mostly at the beginning, but having conversations with not just customers, but employee reps and other leadership folks to kind of get them to understand the difference in what we're doing and really kind of drive towards this subsection of our business, of our industry, and not just make it like a dusty corner on the website. Here's these sicknesses that we can get. So it's been interesting. It's a mindset shift and a mindset challenge to get people to really look at HIT as a total complement rather than just this great hard goods company with this amazing reputation who's now like sort of dabbling in different things. I think I'd just respond with a comment in that I think it's a massive opportunity for companies like HIT to add these additional product lines, whether it's apparel or other product categories and hard goods. So that's the opportunity, but I can definitely see the challenge where you've got some distributors that might be very loyal to buying their shirts from Sanmar and giving the shirts to their favorite decorator that they've used for years and years. And there may be some skepticism like, oh, well, if I give the t-shirt business to hit, will they be able to decorate it as well as if I had outsourced to a contractor? And I'm sure you've fielded some of those objections in the past. But again, these challenges, if you can get beyond them, represent huge opportunities for you. Yeah, I think you know the reality is, is that each portion of our industry and then you know, really dialed into you know, like the micro of our business, each section has a slice of the pie, right? And I think it took eight or nine months to really dial into what we're good at and really focus on that and leave the rest of it alone. You know, look, I think part of what makes our industry so charming is the ability for a one-man show to have a relationship with Alpha or Sanmar or SNS or Hit on the hard goods side and then use a local decorator that they've had, you know, kind of in their hip pocket for 15 years and go to market that way. I think it's totally charming. And I think it's what makes our industry unique. That said, there are capacities and capabilities that bigger companies have that might be able to be a benefit to people outside of that local relationship. And I think that's kind of the hole we choose to dig in, rather than trying to go and eliminate the contract decorator market. It's more of a complement to the contract decorator market. Josh, everyone loves a good t-shirt. I think we all know that. In your opinion, what makes a t-shirt great? What makes a good t-shirt great? 
Is it the graphics? Is it where you got it? Is it the nostalgia and that feeling? What do you think? You know, I think probably earlier in my career, the answer would be, oh, you know, it's got to be the best t-shirt on the planet, right? It's something that has to be a, you know, a tri-blend or the softest fabric or whatever. And I think the answer has sort of evolved into equal parts, great branding and art, but then kind of driver emotions. So just because an end user chooses a, I will call it a, a good in the good, better, best lineup of like a t-shirt offering doesn't necessarily mean that that shirt specifically isn't a great t-shirt. I think what makes a great memorable shirt is the ability to take whatever motivation or brand story or art piece that we're looking to help folks with, get that onto a great garment and let them, you know, sort of live this story of that shirt. I think it's kind of the opposite of what's thrown out into the marketplace on a daily basis, you know, buy this shirt because it's soft or buy this shirt because it's retail or buy this or buy that or buy, you know, and I think it's just a, we, we need to take a step back and realize that great art and great branding and motivation is what makes a t-shirt amazing. It's not just, you know, a specific brand or specific fabrication. It's really the creativity behind it and how it evokes emotion. Right. Hey, Josh, I'm curious about your specific favorite. So I know you're a pretty stylish happening guy. (laughs) If I were to press you, what are some of your favorite t-shirt brands that you like to wear yourself? You know, I catch a lot of flack for this because People just assume that I am like the biggest Bella Canvas homer on the planet. But I have to be honest, since my first day in this industry, my first sales call, I wore a black Bella Canvas 3001. And I just, you know, for the money, for the value, and I guess for the assortment, it's the Bella Canvas. It has evolved. So now I'm into the tri-blend, but it's just a plain black Bella Canvas tri-blend is my daily go-to. I think it's the easiest and by far and away my favorite. I think what's nice about tri-blends, this is also coming from a bit of a t-shirt geek myself, is that they keep their shape. You can beat them up in the washer and dryer and they just seem to keep their shape and they don't shrink. And so that is really, really critical. I've never been a decorator myself, but just having printed a lot of tri-blend shirts, I know that you get great quality that comes out of them as well. So solid reco. You know, I think the cool thing about the tri-blends I've realized over the years, really as a consumer, had nothing to do with my job or different roles or anything like that, but concert shirts or even like a souvenir t-shirt that I've purchased that's been printed on a tri-blend, they wear and turn into like a vintage concert shirt, which, you know, for me, you mentioned my happening style. I do appreciate that, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm all about a vintage looking type concert shirt. And I think what the tri-blend affords us the opportunity to do, to your point, you beat the daylights out of it and it comes out looking better than ever. I was so frightened when you started saying, I constantly get me fun up for this. Personally, I was scared you were going to say like a boxy, boxy, stiff tee, no brand names necessary. (laughs) Oh God, no. I was like, please don't say it. Please don't say it. Please be cool. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's funny. We do get a ton of requests for like the hammer tee and stuff that's a lot heavier. Not my bag. I understand that people love it and certain end user applications are perfect for it. I have no interest in wearing a seven ounce t-shirt ever. Yeah. Just ever. (laughs) Okay. No. 
tell us why you feel the days of the black, white, cheap, boxy teas are past us. And are they past us? I personally think they are. As a distributor, I see a lot more trend towards the softer, vintage, soft hand-printed shirts. What do you think? Do you think we're in a good place in the apparel market? I do. You know, it's funny. I think by and large, we still get requests, especially in higher quantity type stuff for, you know, I need 8,000 cheap white t-shirts. We've worked on some interesting projects more so recently than in the past, but, you know, with people, end users specifically, who are starting to understand the value of impression and the value of number of wearers and the value of just a better canvas. So I think the reality is, is that cheap black, white, navy, red, gray t-shirts are always going to be a thing. We're seeing at least, you know, on what comes across my desk that people are really choosing to spend better money in better places for better garments as a kind of a complement to whatever brand story they're trying to put out into the marketplace. So I think to your point, they're there, but they're not as integral as they maybe were four or five years ago. You know, to kind of add to that, I think there's sort of a middle ground of quality in wearables, t-shirts specifically, that the mills have gotten to that I think really help drive that habit. If you guys recall, like seven or eight years ago, the difference in costing between a value shirt and, you know, let's call it a fashion shirt was massive. But the gap has been closed so much so now that people can go out and sell sort of a better t-shirt or a retail t-shirt and keep the costing reasonable, putting, you know, the end user in something a little bit better and thus helping us strip down from the days of the promo t-shirt is the only way to put a logo on something. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting point that you're getting at there, Josh. And I, and I couldn't agree with you more that it feels like distributors are shifting their spend towards higher quality shirts that are designed to last longer. And sure, they may come at a higher price point than the cheap promo tee of maybe five, 10 years ago, but you're definitely seeing that. One thing that I noticed at Expo this year is that the topic of sustainability it really moved into a different realm. Like I think we've always talked about sustainability, but this year it felt like people really cared about it and that they were starting to shift their dollars that way. And to me, I see such, a, I suppose the word is confluence between this desire for greater sustainability in our industry and a drive towards better quality t-shirts. Because at the end of the day, if a shirt is going to get thrown out after a one-time use, that's terrible from a sustainability perspective. But if you're creating a shirt that is sized correctly, has a beautiful graphic on it, and is going to be seen as not just a cheap uniform piece that will only be worn once, but will actually be worn many, many times and become a cherished item in your closet, then that is an amazing thing from a sustainability perspective. Not only is it great for our medium in terms of advertising ROI, but it means that stuff doesn't hit the landfill. And I think that apparel, since it's, what, about 40% of our industry, is really on the apparel supplier's shoulders to be communicating that message of better quality and moving away from that cheesy promo cheap shirt because we all know that oftentimes it's one-time use. And I'm really excited that we've got these big companies in the industry like Hit and Alpha and Sanmar, SNS, a lot of big folks that I think are really leading the charge in that messaging. And I'm very hopeful that the next 
decade that we're in right now in promo, we'll really see a greater shift towards this greater quality, hence a greater focus on sustainability. So that's my little soapbox there. I like that soapbox. I do too. And it's funny. One of the things I've learned, again, because this is my first you know, sort of foray into working for more of a hybrid type company. One of the things that I think is so fascinating is, you know, Hit and some of the other hard goods companies in the industry have created these great sustainable items, stainless steel straws and stuff like that, I think is is so cool. And I think what people really need to hone in on for apparel, and and Mark, your point was spot on, is that sustainability is not just finding a recycled organic cotton t-shirt. Yep. The availability for that is still pretty scarce. What it means is finding a better garment that will increase number of wearers, that will increase number of impressions, that decreases the likelihood of somebody trashing it after one event. And I think that's where we as, or me, I guess, as an apparel person needs to really drive the message home. Sustainability in the apparel space is not necessarily an $11 organic cotton t-shirt. It's finding a better garment for the application that people are going to wear over and over again, thus making it more sustainable. Awesome. You and I had spoken a little bit before this podcast and gone back and forth on some discussions. And in those discussions, you'd mentioned the Amazonification of consumer behavior. Talk to us about that for a little bit. Yeah. So I've gone around and Mark mentioned soapbox. So now I feel I'm in a very comfortable place to use the same term. I've gone around and spoken at a number of distributor events about the Amazonification of consumer behavior and how not only our distributor partners, but their customers sort of expect this Amazon-like experience when, you know, buying promo. Because again, Amazon has created this sort of amazing turnkey consumer experience for literally everything. And I think it's kind of filtered into what you know the three of us and everybody in our industry does on a daily basis and i think you know one of the points that tends to get lost in this is this is not like a technology soapbox type speech it's more of an understanding of your own business and an understanding of what amazon does really well and how you blend the two together for instance joe for you you know on the access side kind of the immediacy of what Amazon does, right? If you're providing your customers with some sense of immediacy to whatever it is they're requesting, you've mirrored the experience. That's what they're looking for, right? It's not a one-click app ordering solution. It's just immediacy. So it's taking, again, what they're good at and putting your little stamp on it. It's an ease of process type thing. So going to a one-stop shop, finding, you know, your taxables, a puzzle, a new pillow, a bedspread, whatever that looks like, and translating that into our industry. So it's building great web platforms, if that's your thing. It's putting together great all-encompassing programs, if that's your thing. But what it really boils down to is when people make buying decisions now, they're making them based on ease. And the closer we become as suppliers to being able to provide that solution to distributors, the better off you guys will be in going to market and providing that sort of turnkey solution that people have become used to. And I think you know the days of 
walking into a distributorship with a 700 page catalog and plopping it down and expecting you guys to go into your customers and say, hey, look, here's what we can put into your uniform program this year are completely gone. But putting six or eight focused products in front of somebody already branded, already decorated with a deck ready to go, that's how we provide the closest Amazon-like experience to our consumers. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, not just apparel, obviously, products overall. And Mark, you're going to laugh at me because I keep going back to this. But like, shout out to Brian Gale at Thumbprint because he spoke at SKUCon about this very subject that we can't just be the one that goes into our clients every time and shows product, product, product. Everyone's going to at some point show the same thing, whether it's the one piece minimums from some of our great suppliers or full color. He mentioned he went to a meeting and the head called them two dudes in a MacBook because he went in with solutions and a computer and his partner and they just <laughs> offered solutions, solutions, solutions to the client and they bought right into it. So yes, completely agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I think that that could be the basis of an entirely dedicated podcast. You know, we've said it many times on the PK podcast over the years that I think the very best professionals in our industry, whether they're suppliers or distributors, and Joe, I suppose you and I can probably speak more on the distributor side, given our backgrounds, is that the product is really this thing in the background and that there's all these things that are way more important, you know, whether they're relationship or it's strategy or it's creativity, or it's like this cultural fit between you and the end client. And Joe, I've heard you speak on several occasions about this, but I think about your success in the business, and this isn't a Joe commercial, but you think about the success you've had in the business. It's not about the fact that you can get some nifty product. It's really about all this other value that you're bringing to this particular client and helping them achieve their marketing objectives. And that's totally different. And I think, Josh, what you're talking about to tie that back to what you're doing with apparel, it's the same thing. I can get a Bella 3001 from countless other suppliers in the industry. That's table stakes. The reason why I'm going to buy it from Alpha or SNS or Sanmar or Hit, all these great companies is their ability to solve a different challenge that is altogether different than just being able to source the 3001. And I think that that's a really critical conversation. I like that's where we're going here. Yeah, and I think it's relevant to point out too that no matter the market, whether it's you know the promotional product space or automobiles or even airplanes, everything is now commoditized. There is not a single market that's not commoditized. You know, years ago, you had... Microsoft and they had Office Suite and that was it, right? But now there are other platforms that you can create documents in on your cell phone. I mean, I think it's the truest reality. And to both of your points, this is not and should never be a specific product sell. It's a brand story. It's a better understanding of who you're talking to. And I've gone and ridden with a number of reps over the years, both at Hit and Cutter and Buck and even at Alpha. And I try and kind of push the reps into this position where they have a much better understanding of their customer and their customer's customer. And they're not just going in with a giant duffel bag full of stuff or a rolling rack or whatever that looks like and reading the hang tag off of the back of a shirt. There's no impact there. There's no stickiness. There's no provided value. At that point, you're just an infomercial. And, you know, I think as an industry, 
we catch some flack from, you know, maybe even the retail space about being this kind of infomercial of, you know, I'll use wearables as an example of the wearables world. And the reality is, is that we can all continue to drive that change into a better space by just understanding the conversation. There's another like minor soapbox moment, but I do think that it's completely relevant to note that the more we show up and throw up, the further behind we continue to fall. Cool. So I'm also going to ask you about the future of this industry, which I know is hard to predict, but where do you see apparel specifically in this industry in the next five, maybe 10 years? Yeah, so more premiums, for sure. I think we've had some great advances in terms of bringing brands into the industry. I think the one thing that's really interesting is, you know, again, when I first started at Alpha way back when, Alpha had partner brands, Adidas, I guess, is a good example. And, you know, Sanmar has Nike and, and there's a few other suppliers that have different brands. And they were really kind of limited in offering almost, I don't know, like a shadow assortment of what, you know, a retail type assortment might look like. And I think it's interesting that we've now gotten to this place, and I really see it continuing, where brands are jumping into this space with this whole idea that we can put a premium brand with you know, somebody's brand story, logo, uniform type assortment, whatever that looks like, into the marketplace and really sort of push that brand message. And I think it's really cool that you know, some of the larger suppliers have partnered with brands. I think that's going to continue. I think we're going to see a lot of boutique premium brands. So not just, you know, your North Faces and and Nike's of the world, but I think we're going to see manufacturers who make a premium product that continue to kind of jump into our industry and provide new options for all kinds of categories and you know, we're starting to see it now. I really think in 4 to 6 years we're going to have this incredible offering of premium garments that we can push out into the marketplace as this premiums type subset of the apparel space. I definitely agree brands are important and that's just, you know, in apparel obviously, but obviously across the industry, we see so many different suppliers picking up some new brands out there. I'm actually really surprised in what we've seen after Expo. So yeah. Yeah. And I think it too, the brand thing is going to continue to pick up, but I really do believe, or at least from my point of view, as I've seen quite a few of them, I really believe we're going to see a number of smaller quantity boutique type suppliers that come into the space that are offering true retail boutique experiences through a mass reach supplier, which I think is awesome. You know, like a small Los Angeles based manufacturer of four or five different silhouettes, but, you know, everything's made in downtown LA, you know, having access to garments like that in our space only continues to help us elevate what we're doing. Hey, Josh, we always like, as we wrap up the podcast to give our guests the last word. Is there anything that you would like to add that we have not covered in the podcast? Of course, we want to be able to give you the opportunity to share your contact information with folks. But as we get in the final moments of the podcast, we want to give you the last word. I appreciate that. I'm never given the last word, so I don't really have, <laughs> really have a lot to say. But I will say, if you're 
just getting into a distributor group or you're new in the industry or you've been in for a number of years, but you've really just dabbled in kind of print and promo, give apparel a shot. It's not like a soapbox type sales pitch. It's more of a, I understand the challenges presented with selling sizes, colors, different fabrications, different fits versus selling somebody, you know, 10,000 pens. I totally understand the hang up on that. But as Mark mentioned earlier on, apparel is about 40% of our business scape. And I think that number is going to continue to grow. So lean on us as suppliers, as great distributor friends and colleagues. Lean on us to learn a little bit more about the space and continue to follow cool initiatives like Promo Kitchen and really kind of do your due diligence to educate yourself on this cool subset of our business. It's not going away. It's growing. And quite honestly, t-shirts are cool. You know, Mark is a t-shirt snob. I'm a t-shirt snob. And if you're not one, you should look into it. It's a really cool headspace to be in. Absolutely. And thanks for being with us today. Loved hearing your perspective on all of this. Yeah, of course. Though. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.